This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher here with you. And it's Monday, so it's Mondays with Mike yet again, but this is a different Monday. This is Monday of game week. And Carp, I'm going back to our childhood. I'm going to channel one of our heroes, Randy Brown of the Chicago Bulls. What time is it? Game time. (laughs) It's finally here. A 2020 season is finally here, Carp. It is, and you know, we deserve it. The players deserve it. The coaches deserve it. And specifically, I actually think, you know, with this whole COVID-19 mess, how well this DIA has handled it. And I was as skeptical as anybody. I think we even had a text conversation where, you know, I said on my podcast that I, I thought the college kids would be college kids, regardless of if they were student athlete or not. And we're seeing the numbers continue to get 22 new cases out of, or, or no, there were a few new cases for the entire university just yesterday. The, the university at large has done a great job. The athletic department has done a great job. And it's one of those weird kind of things where I'm not only just proud of how Whitman and Lovey have handled it, but the university at large. So I, we deserve this. I know the state of Wisconsin has been doing so good, but it, I hope that that Badgers locker room is clean because I need a game Friday night. I don't want any interruptions for this football season. Yeah. And, and the hard part of it, Carp, is you got to do, do it for two and a half more months. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the key to all of this. And it did seem like Illinois had its flare ups. They said a lot of them were when the kids arrived, they already had it. Um, but we don't know everything about that. But it seems like and we're going to ask Lovey here in 30 minutes uh, whether everybody is available. But it sounds like um, they haven't had anything here recently. Basketball sound like they had a little flare up when everybody got back. That's what Brad Underwood said. Uh, but uh, I, I would imagine two weeks in quarantine will clear that up here pretty quickly. But how are you feeling? How are you feeling going into this weird, delayed uh, Illinois football season? Because usually, Carp, we'd be at week nine, right, uh, by now. And it kind of be the slog of this thing, uh, see where they're at in the season. But um, it's, it's amazing. We're kicking off on October 24th here. Yeah, I noticed it actually Saturday night. I was watching a little bit of Georgia-Alabama, which was a pretty good game for a while. And it hit me at that moment that a week from now, it could be Michigan State Rutgers. I don't care. There's going to be Big Ten football on. And for me, that's exciting. And I don't think I acknowledge how much I missed it until I started watching other college football games. And it seems like every time I go into Hulu, there's another Duke game. Well, no offense to Duke. I don't care about David Cutcliffe's Duke program. I need Big Ten football to really get invested in it. So everything up to this point was a nice little taste of what college football and why we get so excited for it in the fall. And I actually enjoy, I think I'm going to enjoy this delayed season because this takes us into mid-December. This means that we have an Illinois-Ohio State football game Thanksgiving weekend. There's all these cool little schedule nuggets throughout that makes me think, wow, usually uh, in early December, I wouldn't be thinking about Illinois football. And if it is a good season, we might be playing that sort of, well, would we play Michigan, the three seed out of the Big Ten East? If we, you know, All those sort of cool conversations we'll have even about the ninth week 
where we don't know who our opponent is. And uh, for me, though, it's just been thinking back to August 5th when that schedule first came out and then to this point. It's been a roller coaster, yeah. and I kind of was resigned to the fact that we wouldn't have it. So the fact that we're five days away is pretty exciting. Uh, some notes from Illinois today. Illinois has not played a conference-only schedule since 1919 in the middle mm-hmm. of the uh, Spanish flu pandemic. Um, the last time they um, had a delayed start or conference-only schedule, they got the national championship in 1918 during the flu pandemic. And this is the latest start in Illinois football history, and it's going to be the first game there haven't been fans in an Illinois game uh, since 1919. So it's been almost 101 years, uh, including the pandemic back then. But, Carp, we got nine-game schedule, as you said. It's all Big Ten. And for me, I like that almost even more because a false a three and non conference and what was the easiest non conference schedule. Well, it gets you ready for a game. I think it gives a false sense of bravado to some fans sometimes about what that season actually is. Like last year, I, I take more about the four and five record than I do the six and seven overall record. Um, so that that Big Ten is why Ron Zook got fired. It's why coaches get fired is because they don't do well enough in their conference. So we're gonna know this year. I mean, your record is what you are in the Big Ten. What are your expectations? What's what's fanboy Carp's expectations for Lovey Smith this season? Three to five wins. And it I say this before so many seasons, the eye test will matter. Where a four and four record going in that week nine matchup, it could feel very different than other four and four records. And how you get there is just as important as the actual record itself. I say that as a Bears fan, they're five and one. I don't know how the hell they got there, but they did. However, this team can find their way to five wins though. And and this is where I think that that week nine matchup, I mentioned it earlier, but I actually think looking back to the Northwestern game last year, which at the end of the day didn't really matter, but it did in terms of how we felt Mm -hmm. or the bowl game against California, where you win that in seven and six, it just feels and looks different than six and seven. If you can somehow, some way, just get to five and four. And to me, the best case scenario would be you have a great five and three, eight game regular season before the ninth game, whatever you want to call that. Play Michigan. Yeah, which, and then that's exactly it, though, is being able to play that sort of, well, who's it going to be game in early December is a lot more fun if you're talking about a Michigan or maybe Indiana. I, I think, think Indiana's bragging me solid again. If they went five and four, I think, or four and four, I think it'd be Indiana. I, I think Indiana's top four team. There. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it'd be more fun to do that than it would be to say, oh, Rutgers again. Maryland. No offense to Rutgers and this burgeoning rivalry between Illinois and Rutgers, <laughs> but I don't need another one of those. Or, yeah, Maryland or maybe even Michigan State because of how and this, this might be tough sledding for Tucker in his first year. But, uh, yeah, I think that five and four, any way that you slice it would be a very successful season. There are ways that four and five can feel okay, but then three and six – Listen, you're probably not going to be making any moves given the financial considerations and Whitman's commitment to it, but that would not feel good. Yeah, and it depends on who's healthy, COVID, all those things, but... Yeah, I think I think at some point it's like okay, if we're if Lovey Smith is giving these expectations, I'm glad he is. I mean, he should have expectations in year five, and I think the roster he's put together is good enough to be good in in this Big Ten West. That listen, Wisconsin's the toughest opponent in the Big Ten West, in my opinion, and that's your Week One opponent. That's difficult, but I think they can win all these. I I I don't go into a Big Ten West game thinking Illinois has no chance. I know that's the outside uh, possibility, but I, I think Lovey Smith knows he's got a good enough roster here. So I think we should hold him to that. I, I think we should. I think that's what he expects is they should be good this year. And and I think three wins would be a disappointment, e- even in a COVID season. I think that'd be a disappointment for this team. But we're going to learn a lot about them in week one. Doesn't mean that's how they're going to play the rest of the season if, say, they 
you know, don't cover the spread at Wisconsin in week one. Uh, as we saw last year, things can change in the course of the long season. But this is this is a big test right away just to see, one, how confident and how prepared this team is, Carp. So what do you think about Friday night's matchup? Well, if you could bet on Illinois in the state of Illinois, I would take Illinois plus 23 and a half and put a lot of money on it because I think that that is... I understand why that spread was set the way it was. And I think a consideration maybe for the guys in Vegas that are handicapping this is, well, it can't happen twice, could it? There's no way it could happen twice. And how much better are they this year than they were last year? So ultimately, my expectations for Friday night are I need to go in the fourth quarter in a one-score, maybe 10-point game. And I think that's doable. I think it's doable for a lot of reasons. It's what happened last year, right? You it just happened had, you last had, year. You had a chance. You give yourself a chance. You never know what can happen. And that this Wisconsin offense, and of course the X factor is this quarterback that we don't really have tape on. And that always scares me. And sometimes you'd rather face the devil you know, like a Jack Cohn, than you would this Mertz kid. Because Mertz is probably more talented. He's probably right. more like – so I think – you know, he could connect on deep balls. You know, he might be able to hit some of those that Cone wasn't able to hit last time. The, the good thing is, Jonathan Taylor, you held in check last year because you sold out against him. They, they, I mean, it's Wisconsin. They should be able to run the football, but it's not Jonathan Taylor back there. Well, the question is, too, how much better is Wisconsin than they were the year before? How much better is Illinois than they were the year before? I'm not going to go with that old trope of, and I've done this so many times with Illinois teams in the past, where they haven't upset the year before, and the next year I just assume, well, naturally, that means we're going to win again. And it's an easy trap to fall into. I don't expect a win Friday, but I do expect a competitive game. And anything short of it or anything close to the Vegas spread of 23 and a half, which I'm sure will go down, anything close to that would be a disappointment because it, everything has led to this point. And when you have the coaching staff and Lovey specifically talking about that himself, I don't think he's going to put himself out there to that degree, right. talking about how high he is on this team if he doesn't actually think they could win five, maybe six games if everything goes well. They don't need to win Friday, but they need to look the part. And I think there's a way that they could accomplish both, even if it were a moral victory, so to speak. I'm sure we'll get into it with the defensive lines, the big concern for me. Um, I, I think they can actually get more pressure on the quarterback than they got last year, even losing Batiku, because Batiku wasn't even that great during Big Ten play. But I think we're going to learn a lot about Rod Smith, right, and, and his offense to see what they can do this year. Because you have a second-year quarterback in Brandon Peters, who should be a middle-tier Big Ten quarterback, at, I think, at worst, right? But I'm looking at their veteran notes. They don't do a depth chart here at Illinois Carp. They can't give right, Wisconsin right. any kind of – but Chase Brown's the first running back listed. Mike Epstein is back, right? Jakari Norwood is in that mix. You might see a little Reggie Love. Wide receivers, Brian Hightower, as along with uh, Josh and Matt Torbebe, Donnie Navarro. You got Trayvon Sidney and Casey Washington listed there. And you got Daniel Barker, Daniel and Matt Torbebe, Luke Ford. Virtus Brown is likely going to be the starter at guard. That's a lot more talent than, than you had on that offense last year. And I think that disappointing end of the season, that did change the way I think we looked at last year. Man, they had no weapons, right? They had, they had barely any weapons on that offense late in the season. So I'm really interested to see what Rod does, what he changes, and how he uses all these guys. Yeah, because last year's offense, it had its moments, like the second half against Michigan State. You could say that uh, for the most part against Wisconsin in that game, they were pretty good, all things considered, given the matchup. But there were, if you were to add up the quarters in which the offense was ineffective versus the ones in which they were effective, it's not all that dissimilar from the Bears this year, where they got to six and four. And I remember thinking, how did they do this? Because there's still so many quarters mixed in that 
mixed in that season where it just didn't look very good. The one so thing they I, did I, do, though, they took care of the ball. They were one of the worst teams at giving away turnovers. Last year, they were mediocre. And, and with your defense doing what it did, then all of a sudden you have more possessions than the other team and you find a way to score just enough points. It, yeah, and I would hope that for this team, I mean, certainly the, the takeaway thing or the give, giving the ball away, that continues to improve, and it should with Brandon Peters under center and actual weapons to throw to and an offensive line that is probably the position group you feel strongest about. But this idea of complementary offense, I, I think it works to an extent, and that kind of relies on the running game and how effective they can be. And I, we're going to get in that in a second because they are somewhat unproven guys, but the coaching staff, and, and you, I think, are high on them. But as... As I look at this offense, there is more potential for it to be, gosh, I would have to rack my brain here the last time there was an Illinois offense that you actually look forward to being on the field, and you might have to go back Cubit? to 2013. Yeah, <laughs> The Cubit dance. Bill Cubit's first year. If you think about it, the defense was god-awful, but the offense, I think, was top 50, yeah. maybe nationally that it's year. Fun. There's no reason this offense can't be top 50 with the weapons they have. And if they are, I think this team could be pretty good. Right. I mean, you go from 100 to 50, even if your defense doesn't get as many takeaways, which, you know, I, I think we got credit to this defense. You have to force fumbles to recover them. So it's not right. I, and that's a skill. Um, so I do think they're still going to get a lot of takeaways. But, yeah, I think they'll have fewer maybe per game than last year. But, yeah, this offense has to take that leap. It's time. It's Rod Smith's third year and it's he's got the most talent he's had. And a, a couple guys I'm really interested to see, Carp, is I've been high on Chase Brown since I heard they were getting him. And I looked at film of him at Western Michigan. He's got burst, man. He's, from what I've heard, he's the fastest running back along with Jakari Norwood. But he's also strong. Like, he's got a little bit of Dre Brown. He's going to break tackles. Even if he looks like he's 200, 205 pounds, uh, he's got enough strength to, to overcome that. Plus, he's got some quickness. So they are really high on him. And to go along with Mike Epstein, I kind of agree with the Illini staff. And Rod has said this on the record. Lovey has said this on the record. They think they can be better at running back this year, um, which to fans might sound crazy because Reggie Corbin had a huge junior year. He came back down to earth, didn't have those long runs, which I think we all expected. Um, and yeah. Dre Brown was such a beloved figure last year and was such a tough runner. But just Mike Epstein is a better all-around back than either of those guys. Reggie was really a liability as a blocker, which really hurt them. And he wasn't as fast as these other guys. Uh, and, and last year I thought he was solid. Uh, I thought he was a solid running back. So I actually think they got to stay healthy and they got to prove it now. But talent wise, I think they're actually in a better spot at running back this year. Yeah. And I hope that's the case. If I were to go back into recent, well, I guess recent 20 years ago, Illinois football history, I look at a guy like Dre Brown and for some reason I'm reminded of Antonio Harris back the Kurt Kittner era and then the first year after Kittner left. And he was a guy that kind of do-it-all running back that was a little more of a bruiser, which kind of was what Dre Brown was, even though he did have some burst too. Mm -hmm. But you still were able the next year, I think it was Pierre Thomas and Marcus Mason. You had a good stable of running backs. It's just the rest of the team kind of sucked. So with the running back position, I don't want to say it's expendable because it's not. Um, but short of losing Richard Mendenhall in 07, <laughs> and then you really felt the drop off in 08, you can replace that position, I think, fairly seamlessly as long as everything in front of it remains intact. And it does with quarterback. It does with the offensive line. And with that third year, I'm glad they mentioned that with Rod Smith. We saw flashes in year one. We saw flashes in year two. With the talent at his disposal, I don't need flashes. I just need consistency, even if that means that they're just merely good. You need a defense that has its own holes to be able to trust the offense 
is it going to be going three and out that the offense can hold the ball for 30 minutes and put up 28, 24, 27 points a game. And there's no reason that they shouldn't. And strong, strong play from the running back position, I think just eases. It it gives you that much more of a margin for error with everything else. Well, the interesting thing is Brandon Peters is a better quarterback than AJ Bush, but AJ Bush made your running game the second best running attack in the big 10. Right. Mm-hmm. So that you got to find a way to establish that running game like you did two years ago uh, and find a way and, and probably just through passing the ball and, and opening up some of those things and probably Brandon running a little bit more, which opens him up for injury. Uh, but you feel better about your backups. Do you think we see Isaiah Williams? <laughs> you see some well, packages? I mean, there's no more red shirts, right? So right. he's available. You can't redshirt him twice. So I would think that you would see him in certain packages. I don't want to go down the Aaron Bailey rabbit hole where it's third and one and, oh, look, there's Isaiah Williams. Listen, Brandon Peters has some mobility too. So it it's it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to put him in unless it's a gadget play here or there. But once you put it on tape, I feel like you're probably limited then the rest of the year. So I'd be surprised if we saw him against Wisconsin, wouldn't you? I mean, no, I think we're going to see him. I do. You do? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, I because one carp coaches love putting it on film, so the other coach has to spend hours. Right, the yeah. opponent has to spend hours about it. They but they don't have a lot of guys who can take it the distance. They don't have a lot of electric guys. I mean, I think some of those running backs can, but Donnie Navarro in the slots not the fastest guy. Trayvon Sidney in the slots not the fastest guy. Your receivers are big and physical, so I I think they might find a way. I I I think they will to to get him on the field. But they think he's a quarterback. So I know everyone's talking about putting him in the slot. They think he's the quarterback next year or do span because that's the offense Rod Smith wants to run. But uh, from what I heard, I, Isaiah had a last good last couple of weeks of practice and um, he's explosive, man. They don't have a lot of guys like him. All right. Well, that's encouraging. And then you mentioned Trayvon Sidney and Navarro and the wide receiver corps, which you had guys like Navarro and Washington step up last year. Uh, and you mentioned those guys specifically in the slot, Sidney and Navarro, but who is the number two guy has that been established in camp from what you've been able to gather under a matter baby i this is going to be part of my bold predictions i think navarro is probably going to lead the team in receptions to be honest okay with you. Yeah. um you know he almost did last year when when a mattor baby was there it was only a sixth reception difference um i mean a mattor baby is the number one go-to guy the big play guy but you got more of those guys now like daniel mattor baby daniel barker can do those things i think you'll see daniel lined up in the slot sometimes lined up as a wide receiver, I expect them to play two, two, two tight ends more often than not. And I think Luke Ford really helps the run game, especially. Once they get into the red zone, I think this team can be very dangerous. Um, they just I don't know if they have a lot of big play ability. But Brian Hightower, from what I heard, big, physical, good hands. Um, from what I've heard, Casey Washington's gotten better. And you had a guy, I don't know if Kamari Thompson or Desmond Dan are going to be that involved this year or how big of a role they'll play. But, I mean, it's a deeper group of wide receivers that you feel good about. But I, I think Navarro is a guy we probably don't talk enough about because it's kind of the cute story, the walk-on who kind of you know tries hard. I think he's going to be one of the go-to guys in this offense, kind of that just check-down slot guy that, that gets you a lot of receptions. Yeah, and between that and the depth that they have a tight end, I feel a lot better on, let's say, the third and fives and the third and sixes, knowing that they're sure-handed guys. What will be interesting to see is for this running back stable, I think that you could probably turn around just give them the ball, and they're going to be able to scoot for four or five yards to carry without too much of a problem. How much of a factor will they be out of the backfield would be another one, or how much of that is even going to be a focus for this offense if you got the amount of receivers and tight ends that you feel comfortable with. And it is, though, out of all the things that you said there, the Navarro thing doesn't surprise me because you could kind of sense that as last season was going on. But to hear Isaiah Williams is actually 
I think that I was just sort of focused in unfairly so on that Northwestern performance, which was an unfair position to put him in and just how raw he looked and thinking, Oh God, we're going to have to wait until his junior year until we get anything. So to think that he might play a role this year, however small, that's one more thing to look forward to that. I was not necessarily anticipating. One one thing I've written about a lot uh, and Rod's mentioned a lot is Isaiah's not just a special athlete. He's a special dude and a special mind. Like he's really intelligent he can get on the board and, and dissect. Like he's a really smart football mind. Uh, so that's the stuff like Aaron Bailey wasn't as good at, uh, right? Like you know the offense was a little bit much for him. It's not for Isaiah. So you know first year the speed of everything it's a lot different than playing at the lower levels of St. Louis. But I think he'll be a factor whether it's this year or next year. I think he'll be a factor. All right, uh, we only got a little bit of time left, Carp. Defensively. My big concern is the defensive line. You get a huge test here this week right away. Can they stop the run? I expect Illinois to, you know, try to mix things up, mix up coverages, send some blitz to to really knock Graham Mertz off. But if you don't stop the run against Wisconsin, you have no chance. So for the biggest question mark of the year, uh, they get tested right away. And I, I, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't think they'll do very well against stopping Wisconsin's run. That means I think they're going to have to take the ball away several times. Yeah, and you got a back seven that can do that. The problem, though, if correct me if I'm wrong, but Milo Eifler's out for the first half, isn't he? And he's a big physical guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, Delano Ware is physical, but he's six foot two twenty. Milo is six two two thirty, right? And he just lays hits um, and has experience at, at linebacker. While Delano doesn't have a lot of it. Kalen Tolson's a little undersized, so yeah, it's just three hundred and twenty pound Wisconsin offensive lineman uh, against Illinois' more quick, you know, kind of. I don't want to say finesse, but you're just a quicker athletic group as opposed to physical group that you think of. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to be the difference in the game. I mentioned Milo. I don't think that would be the one thing that would change the fortunes for Illinois. But if you look at a lot of past Illinois-Wisconsin games, and even two years ago up in Camp Randall, I think Illinois went to halftime trailing 13, 16 points, something like that. And then, as usual, Wisconsin late in the third quarter after they've tired out the opposing defensive line, then they can run at will. And my fear would be getting into a situation where you're down a couple scores in the first half. And then all of a sudden you look at the Vegas prediction and think, well, that could be true because Wisconsin, if they establish it that early, there's no reason to think they won't do it again in the third and fourth quarter. This is where, you know, I mentioned complimentary offense earlier. We know what Wisconsin's bread and butter is. We know that they're going to get their points. They're going to get their yardage. But you also can't ask this defensive line and how unproven they are, how green they are to be out there for 35 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. I think reasonably if you're going to win it and unless unless you follow the same sort of blueprint of last year's team where it, like you said it's got to be takeaways it's got to be explosive plays on offense that offset that being the first game of the year enough weird things could happen where wisconsin yeah. can do everything that they do well and you still are in a position to win but likewise it could be the completely different side of it where they do what they do well and it's just one of those weird Friday nights where nothing seems to be going well for you. So the defensive line, yeah. I don't expect much, but they, they need to put in like a C-plus effort just to, to hang in there. Just hang in there however they can. Yeah, and again, you're not going against Jonathan Taylor. They did lose some good offensive linemen from last year. Uh, and the defense for, for Wisconsin, they had two guys with over 10 sacks last year, uh, Zach Bond and, and Chris Orr, who are really good, all Big Ten players. They lose those guys. They're replacing them. Uh, so Wisconsin does have to replace a lot more experience than Illinois has to but I kind of like this as a week one car I, mm. I, I agree with you it's week one weird things can happen they're figuring themselves out they haven't played a game yet and uh, I think Illinois has some confidence that they can compete in this game and they do have weapons that I think can match up even better than last year 
So what do you think? What's your prediction for this one? The name on the jersey and the pedigree of that program scares me more than the roster itself. And I keep waiting, and I've said it's been 10 years since we started in 93.5. I've been saying the same thing. I keep waiting for Wisconsin football to slide, not into mediocrity, but just yeah. okay. Even Iowa level. Slip back to Iowa. Right. Level, you know? They've been to four of they've won four of six Big Ten West titles, right? Right. Yeah. And Paul Chris is not someone I expected to be this good. I did not I did not expect that. But that speaks to the program. You get them early. It, it, they're gonna be as vulnerable as they will be all year. However, it's just hard to predict a win. And if I were to give you a score, predictions are somewhat meaningless, but it's fun. So I would say something like Wisconsin 34, Illinois 24. Mm-hmm. And that could be a late field goal or something for Wisconsin to put the game away. And you'd be disappointed. But I also think that you wouldn't be dejected. Now, I, I get the sense from you, and you, you're going to wait until Friday. Uh, I get no, the sense that Kurt, you don't want to pull the trigger on this. No, you I don't. Pull, I don't. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to pull the trigger on this one. I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Can you guess what my score prediction was? Um, uh, so the 30. podcast listeners will get a little bit of it early, but yeah, I'm releasing this probably Wednesday. So okay, so 34, 24 is what I said. I'm I'm guessing you might have said 37, 28, something like that. 31, 24. I don't know. 30 something to 20 something. Carp, I said the exact same score as you. 34-24. I have 34-24. I think the offense, I mean, 24 points again, like last year, I think would be Wisconsin's defense is legit, man. Um, the, the defense coordinators have had uh, Dave Aranda, Jim Leonard, um, who, who's the D coordinator now, Justin Wilcox is the Cal coach now. Um, they're really good. And they concern me of what they could throw at Illinois, but I think Rod Smith has enough. I, I just wonder if they can slow slow down that rushing attack and get as many takeaways as they got last year because Jonathan Taylor got loose with the ball and Jake Hansen made him pay. I think Illinois will force maybe a turnover or two, but uh, the third one, can they get to seal the game? I'm, I'm just not quite sure. So I think Wisconsin should be favored. I thought 23.5 points was overcompensating a little bit too much. Yeah. That's come down to about 19-20 from what I've seen. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but I think Illinois will have a more competitive game. But I, I think winning against this program is really difficult. Illinois hasn't done it back-to-back in 18 years. Um, I think they got a chance, though. I think they're going the fourth quarter with a chance. But uh, a lot had to go right for you to win last year, and I just don't know if everything goes right this year. What I didn't tell you is those 24 points were eight field goals from the court. <laughs> that was my prediction. I, I didn't include all, that in there. All but. 45 plus yarders. <laughs> all 45. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope, and what we're doing on the 200 level, we, we did this with basketball. We're doing the, for football, fourth quarter post game, not all the second half, but fourth quarter post game. So we're just going to be kind of hanging out on Zoom and reacting to That's it. Awesome. I hope, I hope that when the fourth quarter starts, we still have a game to talk about and it's not like one of those early postmortems that we so often run into with Illinois football. You're not going to go off the deep end if they get blown out, are you? Like if they, no, they if no. they lose by 26 points. Like are, are you going to be like, "Oh, this is done." <laughs> no, but I, I think you I think every season you recalibrate expectations as you go. So yes. you come in, you got set expectations. I think I'm setting mine at a fairly reasonable 4 and 4 record and 5 and 3 I'd be ecstatic before you go in that ninth game. But as I look at Friday night, let's say they do get blown out, then all of a sudden I'm thinking, "Okay, it's not so much about stealing another one here or there, but it's now you definitely have to win a toss-up yeah. game. So, and, and that's what happens with the Wisconsin's of the world and the Ohio States, and, and those are your two toughest opponents for sure, even in Iowa at home. You need to start winning more of those toss-up games if you're going to have consistently good seasons and not just count on Purdue and maybe a, a low Nebraska or Rutgers. You don't always have that luxury. So I don't anticipate a win, but I still want to wake up Saturday feeling 
good about the direction they're going to when Purdue comes for an 11 a.m. start. I love how they post these starts, and I, I immediately pivot to, oh, man, that's going to be an early wake-up call for the lo- – oh, wait, no, nope. we aren't doing that this year. But uh, that's okay for Halloween. Get it done early and a very winnable game against Purdue, I would hope. Carp, you got to get back to class. I got to get to Lovey's press conference. Always appreciate it, man. We'll talk next yeah, Monday. Man. Absolutely. Hopefully about a win, though uh, I'll take a competitive loss. All right, see you, Carp. Or we'll see you. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Great stuff as always with Michael Carpenter. You can check him out, 200 level podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you can get it. Yeah, their end of game podcasts are always fun to hear them react in person, especially with those basketball games that were so close. So we'll see uh, if they get a close game this Friday. Uh, and I'm, I'm recording this part of the podcast after the Lovey Smith, Rod Smith, Brandon Peters, Jake Hansen press conference that we just had. Just talked to them for about an hour. In 15 minutes. Uh, just a few things that came out of that. Um, we'll have more on the website coming up. But the spread, all those guys knew it. All those guys knew it, including Lovey Smith. Lovey always knows the spread. And he mentioned 23 and a half. Brandon Peters mentioned it. Jake Hansen mentioned it. And while they all understand they're probably going to be underdogs to Wisconsin, um, that number stuck out to them. So they think they're better than that, uh, and they get a chance to prove it this week. Uh, Lovey Smith said this feels like a good matchup for them because they beat him last year, and they feel like they've improved. He knows Wisconsin is always good, but Lovey Smith really, really likes his team. And uh, Lovey Smith also, he didn't get into a huge breakdown of his depth chart as he never does, but he did mention that Virtus Brown will be starting a guard, uh, right guard, replacing Richie Pettibon. So you now have your offensive line is all Illinois natives, left tackle, Vidarian Lowe, left guard, Kendrick Green, center, Doug Kramer, right guard, Virtus Brown, right tackle, Alex Palcheski. And Lovey Smith talks about Jake Hansen. Um, probably praises him more than any player he's had so far at Illinois. But that offensive line is close. Uh, he is really, really high on this offensive line. Uh, Rod Smith said this Wisconsin defense is always good. They do lose a couple key pieces, and they're pass rushers on the edge, but they return a lot of their rest of the defense, and scoring on them is difficult. And Lovey Smith did tell us, and I think this was known because Hardy Nickerson used to have a three-plus shirt all the time. And I asked him a couple years ago when he was the defense coordinator in Illinois what that meant. They have a goal every game of three-plus takeaways. Um, And Jake gave out the stat, and I'd have to double-check this, but must come from Lovey, that if you win the turnover margin by three, you win 95% of the time. And the NFL, there's been a study from 1950 to 2016. I wrote this in my takeaways piece a couple weeks ago that you win 78% of the time if you win the t- turnover margin. So that's why it's such a big deal. And Illinois did a really good job 
uh, with that against Wisconsin last year. They sold out against the run, and uh, they're facing a different quarterback this time. Uh, Jack Cohn uh, was okay against Illinois, but had a big interception late in that game and, and missed some throws deep. Graham Mertz is probably a little bit more talented at Wisconsin, and, and Jay Kansas said that he's even, he's even gone through the huddle film of Graham Mertz to get an idea of what they'll be facing since they won't have any film on him coming into this game. There's a couple notes of that. We'll have uh, a lot more up on the website in the next day or so about what uh, was all there. I'll have a big feature later this week on, on two players I know you're very, very interested in. That's all coming up. Just put up the Know Your Foe. That's how you know it's game week, man. I get five questions with the opposing beat writer, Josh Schaefer, new writer at Badger 24-7. He just went back, and, and kudos to him as a new beat writer there. Uh, he's from Syracuse. Just went through all the film of last year's Wisconsin game to, to learn about the team. So all of this is pretty fresh in his mind, including the Illinois game. Josh gave his score prediction. I'm sure Illinois fans won't love it, uh, but I think Josh is very informed about this team and gives some insight about the Badgers. So go check out that at IlliniInquire.com as well. And this week, guys, if you're not a VIP member, it's a good time to do so. One, because it's game week. Two, we're five weeks away from college basketball starting. And three, Bryce Hopkins could be on the verge of a decision anytime soon. And right now is a good time as any to sign up for Illini Inquirer. And there's no better time to try it. Because for the first two months of VIP access, you get it for just a dollar. Just a dollar. You can find that in your couch if you still believe in change and cash, which I barely ever have cash on me. Um, so don't don't try to pickpocket me because I can just cancel my credit cards right away. Uh, but yes, you can just find that in your couch, your car, whatever. A dollar for the first two months try it out. I think you'll really like it. And if there's any of your two months to try it out, it's right now. As always, appreciate listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Hope to have more throughout the week, including a Wisconsin uh, expert. And uh, we'll try to get more preview of this. And if there's anything with basketball, especially with Bryce Hopkins, we'll have more reaction as we always do right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. Take care of each other, everybody. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast.